I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet, your empowerment with knowledge, so you can take more control of your life. And our website's clark.com and clarkdeals.com. I want to tell you that I started something a while back, and that is talking about Veterans Day before Veterans Day instead of on the day. And the reason I do that is that, well, a lot of people have Veterans Day off, their patterns are not normal, and the listenership to shows is typically lower on a holiday. And so I wanted to take an opportunity to express to every person out there who is a veteran, who serves in the U.S. military, who served in the military, to express to you how grateful I am to you for that service. This is something that I hold dear because the freedoms that we enjoy, we have because of the bravery of men and women who have served over the centuries to preserve our nation and our freedoms against those who wish us harm and wish to destroy us. And today, service in the U.S. military is not a shared sacrifice. It's very rare. Many people even know others that have served. One of the big changes also is that our, our elected leaders in the U.S. House and U.S. Senate, it used to be an overwhelming number had served in the U.S. military. Today, very few have any connection to military service. The divisions that we have seemingly in U.S. society being as strong as they are, I believe part of it is that we never get to spend time with people not quite like us. In the military, we're all together and we all serve together. You know, I have had the great privilege for 19 years as of last week to be a member of my state guard and never thought I'd be in 19 years but the people I serve with are from all different walks of life uh, different ethnic groups different races different religions but we put on that uniform and we're all together for one purpose, and that is to protect our state and our nation. And so I thank you for what you or a family member does or has done to serve our nation and to remember you on this day, the day ahead of Veterans Day. Um, so I appreciate it. I still feel that we would be well served if all Americans, when they finish high school, had to serve two years either in the military or in community service for our nation to create a shared purpose about what this country is all about and keeping us strong. But I may be the only voice, the only person who feels that way. Do want to mention as well, at Clark Deals, 
we have posted for you now all the various freebies and deals that we know of that are available to people who serve or have served. Most do not require you to be in uniform, only that you have military ID or proof that you did serve in the military to get those discounts. And I appreciate the uh, retailers, the restaurants, and the rest that offer special deals to our veterans. Thank you once again for what you've done for this great nation. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate. And Kim, you're up. All right, this is from Timothy in Georgia. Timothy says, I'm 26 years old, and recently I was laid off from my job due to COVID cuts. I'm sorry. My question is about my 401k balance. Should I go ahead and move my 401k money to a Roth IRA while waiting to find another job, or should I hold out till my next job begins and just move it to the new company's 401k? This is a complicated question to answer because... If you move the money to your own Roth IRA and it was traditional 401k money, you will owe tax on the money moving into a Roth. On the other hand, if because of unemployment this year your income is lower, then the tax would be very favorable for you to move the money from the old employer's 401k into your own Roth IRA And then that money would grow tax-free the rest of your working life and be spent tax-free. The hard part, and why this might not be practical, is if you are unemployed, you may be really short on funds, and you may not be able to, when you file your return next year, to pay the tax that you would owe on that conversion from traditional to Roth. The other thing you mentioned is that when you are reemployed, wherever you're reemployed, is that at that time you could potentially move the funds from the old employer's 401k to a new one. And that is a perfectly viable option as well. And good luck on the job front. Joel? Clark, Amanda in Georgia says, I had an outpatient procedure at a hospital. The billed charges, which do not include the actual professional services, are $12,000. I was in the Right, I know. Just as I, was, I was in the facility for less than two hours and was billed an operating room charge, recovery room charge, and an anesthesia charge. Uh, the procedure is not performed in an operating room, but a procedure space, and there was no anesthesia machine or equipment. So I want to negotiate a fairer price for services rendered. Do you have any tips? Yes. In a case like you illustrate, you want to hire a medical billing person. There are people who specialize, who typically worked in hospital billing departments or uh, worked in uh, various facilities or doctor's offices with billing, and they can take the bill, you pay them to do so, and they can go through it and negotiate with the hospital with their expertise saying, nope, this coding's wrong, this coding's wrong, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, this isn't a valid charge, that's not a valid charge, because it's not at all unusual for a hospital bill to be greatly, greatly inflated with charges for services never, ever performed or received. There are a couple of organizations that you can look to see if there's a 
patient advocate or billing assistance advocate available where you are. One is called the Alliance of Claims Assistance Professionals, the other Medical Billing Advocates of America. These people actually are there for you. There are big companies that do this for companies that self-insure to go through their bills. Not as many services out there for you as an individual, but these are some possibilities. In addition, you can reach out to the patient advocate at a hospital where this took place and see if you can have the bill reviewed because you're aware that there was no anesthesiologist and other such things that you're being billed for. Good luck. Kim? Pete in Wisconsin says, I feel like many colleges did a bait and switch. They signed up students for in-person classes and then switched it to online. Last spring, they gave us money back. This year, they are not. What will it take to get all of these schools to reimburse all of the students? I feel cheated. I get it. And, you know, enrollments are down pretty much across the board in colleges because a lot of students weren't able to really learn as well with the online thing. The colleges are really hurting financially. And so schools that gave small concessions and tuition costs after they sent people home in the spring, they didn't do that this fall. And they're trying to keep their doors open. There are going to be a lot of colleges that don't survive this. So one thing that I can recommend to you is that if the spring semester is going to be online as well and a student is at an expensive private college, why not take courses the next semester at an inexpensive state-supported four-year school or a state-supported community college at much, much lower cost and transfer in the credits? By next fall, I expect colleges to overwhelmingly be in person, not online. Joel? Clark John in Wisconsin says, I heard that Credit Karma is being taken over by Intuit. Is that true? Is there any chance that they'll still offer free tax preparation on their site? It is true that, uh, that this is a proposed merger. The tax prep is going to be sold off because the feds objected in the merger to Intuit, which is already a huge player in income tax prep, also controlling the business from Credit Karma of tax prep. Whether the ultimate new owners of Credit Karma tax will continue to make it free or not, who knows? But it's not going to continue as part of Credit Karma if, in fact, the merger ultimately does take place. As far as the other things Credit Karma does for free, like you being able to track your credit score all the time, uh, be able to credit monitor, all the things they do for free, there's nothing I've read anywhere that Intuit's going to mess that stuff up. We'll just have to wait and see, because after a merger, you never know what the buying company actually does to the company they bought. Kim? Joe in New York says, I'm looking for new kitchen appliances. Where do I go to get the best deal? Oh, right now, that is so hard. The cost of appliances way up. A lot of factories uh, got hit very hard with coronavirus outbreaks that led to much lower 
manufacturing production. The shortage continues, plus a lot of people living more at home uh, wore their appliances out and needed to replace them. So the best answer is if you can wait, wait. Uh, but as far as who's been most aggressive with appliance pricing, it's the usual suspects that have been the most aggressive with pricing. It is the warehouse clubs and then Home Depot and Lowe's. Um, independent retailers of appliances tend to give much more personal service. Jordan joins us on the Clark Howard Show. And Jordan, you have had a very carefully sketched plan for how to handle housing in your life. And coronavirus has upended that, I gather. That's right, it has. We uh, we bought our house about uh, seven and a half years ago, and uh, the last five years, my wife and I have been planning to uh, move upgrade our house a little bit to get to a bigger home um, because our family has grown as well. But uh, how many kids do you have? Three kids. How old are your kids? Uh, one, five, and seven. Wow. So what happened? You could have had one, three, five, and seven. They would have all been perfectly symmetrically aged apart. <laughs> well, we took a little break, you know, the second one. That's <laughs> we funny. We to take a little break before we went to three. So you have a house that started with just a couple of people, now has five under the roof. Right. It's a three-bedroom. We were hoping to at least have four bedrooms so the kids can each have their own at a minimum. Um but uh, my income has been cut by about 30%, which oh, is I'm making sorry. It, yeah, it's part of COVID, I suppose. But uh, we can't really see ourselves upgrading right now unless income comes back. I'm uh, oil and gas manufacturing. so. And oil uh, and gas has a, a tough picture in front of you. It, um, you know, 70% of people who were working in oil and gas have been unemployed at some point this year. Yeah, and I'm fortunate to be one of the ones that's still employed. I, I know that for sure. So what are you thinking of doing as an alternative to your move to a larger house? So when we got our loan, it was a FHA loan. And so we're paying the uh, evil I think it's MIP. Yep, mortgage insurance <laughs> premium that goes on forever. And so my thought is, if nothing else, could we maybe refinance? Um, and then how long of a time period, say if we were to move next spring as planned, um, you know, if I refinance now, it seems like I might be losing money because I have to pay for the refinance. Ah, not necessarily. Okay, okay, let's talk this through. So your current interest rate on your FHA is what? Uh, somewhere around 4%. Okay. So rates, if your credit standing is really good, rates are at or near all-time lows right now. Okay. And you could, uh, after seven and a half years, I'm guessing, you'll have to tell me if it's true, that the value of your home has risen to a point where you will, when you refi, have more than 20% equity. That's at, correct. All right. So what you can do is you can do what's known as a no-closing-cost refi. Okay. Lenders will do them typically where you pay like half a percentage point higher is kind of the range you end up, the market, and you don't pay closing costs because the closing costs are basically used to take your rate up enough or you use a higher rate 
to eat up the closing costs, whichever way I should say that. So you have a situation made to order for doing a no closing cost refi because you'd save money from the first month. Your balance stays the same on your loan and you would get a rate lower than the 4% you have and you eliminate MIP. Well, that's pretty cool. That sounds like a good deal. And so that's what I do. And then you're not in a mode where you're trying to figure out, oh, how long do we need to stay to make up these closing costs? They're eliminated by you just not getting the lowest rate in the market on the loan, but lower than the four you have right now. So that's how I'd handle it. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. I have an unusual thing to talk to you about. For the last 30 years, this being the 30th, I have had the privilege to lead a campaign called Clark's Christmas Kits. It's where I seek your donations for children in foster care so that they have gifts to open Christmas morning. If you're not familiar with what goes on with foster kids, the state sees to it that foster children have a foster group home to live in or with an individual family. But things like gifts for birthdays or Christmas, those things don't happen a lot of times. And kids in foster care tend to go from one foster living situation to another with their meager possessions in a black trash bag. So it has been my extreme honor to have Clark's Christmas Kids is an opportunity for us to play a match game with children in foster care where you get to pick out a child based on his or her age and boy or girl get to know his or her name and buy them a gift that they'd like for Christmas or two or three each child is allowed in Clark's Christmas Kids to name three gifts. They're just kind of general gift categories, but three gifts that that child would like for Christmas. You'll find that older kids that are getting to a point where they may transition out of foster care are asking typically for very practical things like um, a winter coat, um, you know, a set of sheets, whatever. Um, younger kids want toys um why not our kids get to have that kind of stuff at christmas right so the way it works is if you go to clarkschristmaskids.com you can see all the kids we're trying to get donations for and the way we've done it is we have an expensive gift for each child a mid-price gift, and an inexpensive gift for each child. If you buy the wish list for a child, we just arbitrarily price the wish list at $150. Some kids will end up costing less than that, some more, to buy the three gifts. And then if you can only buy a single gift, that's $25.50 or $75, depending on whether you buy the inexpensive, the mid-price, or the expensive gift for a foster child. It'll take you just a couple minutes. 
it is tax deductible. And so all you need to do is you go to clarkschristmaskids.com. And if you want, you can watch. There's a video of me at the beginning that you can see how the program works. And if you can skip all that stuff, if you don't need to know any of that, and you just pick out an age of a child and boy or girl and just buy them their gift or gifts and know that Christmas morning next month, a child will have, or if you buy for multiple children, that child or those children will be opening those gifts Christmas morning. And I want to tell you the joy you will feel. It'll stun you. The joy you'll feel and what you've done for an absolute stranger you will never meet. Having done this for 30 years and the oldest of the kids from when I first started doing this are now in their late 40s. And you hear from these kids who come back as adults and share how much it meant to them that they got gifts Christmas morning. I want you to know that a lot of times life is awfully complex. This is really simple where you can make a difference. If you've had a terrible year, you're, you're, you faced extensive periods of unemployment, money's really tight, skip this year. And if your life's more uh, even keeled next year, come back and join us and contribute as part of Clark's Christmas Kids. But if you've come through uh, 2020 A-OK, then help me make a difference for these children. And thank you very much. It's time for your questions for me that you posted at clark.com ask. Producers Kim and Joel taking turns. And whose turn is it? Clark, I'm up, and Patricia in Connecticut has a question. She says, in an article on your site about refinancing or getting a mortgage, you talk about finding a mortgage broker. But nowhere on your website can I find any information about how to go about finding a mortgage broker. So do you have any suggestions on that front? I don't have an easy one-stop shop for you to go find a mortgage broker. Typically, the real estate agent involved in the transaction if you're buying a property or if you're refinancing an existing loan, contact a real estate agent who was involved in the purchase of your home will be able to refer you to a mortgage broker that they've had good success with for clients. I love that word of mouth referral because the agents know which of the mortgage brokers have really been able to deliver and not mess up deals and they know which ones to avoid. And a mortgage broker is someone who just is like a salesperson who goes and shops your loan and helps push it through the system. And they make their money by having originated that loan, which is different than dealing with a captive loan officer at an individual institution like a bank or credit union. And remember this rule, when you are getting a loan for a home, if you actually care about your money, if you like your money, do not under any circumstances get a mortgage loan at one of the big banks because you'll pay more money in fees and you'll have a higher interest rate almost always. Kim? 
James in Wisconsin says, I was driving recently and I think I heard Clark say that there's a way to check what email subscriptions you're signed up for and then not be enrolled in them anymore. Could you remind me how you said we should do this? Oh, it's unroll.me, which is going through a transition right now. And so uh, it's going to be a really missed thing. There is a, it still shows that you can use it. So I may be uh, being unusually and improperly negative about unroll.me. You instantly see a list of all your subscription emails unsubscribe easily from whatever you don't want and then they explain why they don't charge and the deal is it works kind of like um, something like credit karma that the information they glean from what you have subscribed to becomes valuable to them and so that's how they're able to do it for free so I don't know why I thought they were going away it looks totally live and active for people who are on gmail google has their version of this now and what google does is if they see that you're getting emails repeatedly from any organization that you're never opening they will pop up a notice that's really to help google by the way that says hey we've noticed you're never opening emails from blah 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 company or blah 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 organization would you like us to handle um, unenrolling you, or however you say it, from this organization? And the reason it's valuable to Google is they're having to uh, store all these emails. And if you're not interested in them, they don't want to have to cover the cost of storing them for you. Joel? Clark Andrew in Florida says, I always hear you mention the three big places to put retirement savings, the HSA, when possible. Uh, the Roth 401k, uh, if you, uh, especially if you have a company match, then the Roth IRA. Can you clarify the order of importance of these? I'm currently maxing my family HSA contribution, and I'm contributing to my Roth 401k up to the 6% company match, assuming I find extra money to put into investments. Should I put that money into a Roth IRA, put more into my Roth 401k above the company match? And can you specify what's really the difference between those two type of Roth accounts? Great questions all the way around. So you're maxing out your HSA, and that is the highest priority because the HSA generally is considered to be the most tax-favored of all places you can stash cash because you have a financial incentive for putting money in it, and then you have the money grow tax-free, and then you spend it tax-free on eligible medical expenses, where with the Roths, you don't get an upfront benefit. You get the other two things, which are the uh, tax-free growth and tax-free spending. So on the question of does money, when you have extra money, is it better placed in a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA? A lot of people from the legal profession believe that it's best put in a Roth 401k because there are situations in some states where in a legal matter, the money in a Roth IRA may be able to be uh, taken where in a Roth 401k it can't be. And so that's an obscure kind of thing that would not apply to most people. Deciding between the Roth 401k and the Roth IRA 
our individual behavior is the most important thing. When money is taken out automatically from your check and put in your Roth 401k, it's more likely to get there than with a Roth IRA where you intend to put the money aside. So I'd say given the balance between those two, that would tilt towards the Roth 401k. The exception and why you would do a Roth IRA is if the costs in the employer-provided Roth 401k are high, it would be better for additional contributions beyond the match to be done in a low-cost Roth IRA with one of the low-cost companies. Kim? Grace in Nevada wants to know, how long do I need to be keeping bank statements and credit card statements? Unless they're specifically related to tax, you don't need to keep bank statements for an exceptionally long period of time. You only need to keep really the most recent bank statement to make sure that uh, money is properly there in the event there was a large hack of a bank, you have proof of what you had. The issue of something on your bank statement you need to check later to make sure it cleared or whatever, you can do that online. With credit card statements, that's also true now, that the statements are not as important as they used to be because of the ability to check them online. So only the most recent statement is the most important for you to have. Colleen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Colleen. Hello. Colleen, you have an unusual situation. You have two homes to choose from. Is that about it? That's about it. What's the story? Well, we purchased the house that we're in back in 2012. We're in a 30-year, 3.5 mortgage. Then I inherited a family home. We eventually probably will end up there. That's probably going to be a better situation for us. Well, I'm sorry you um, lost a loved one that you inherited a home. Thank you. Yeah, it's it, it's hard. Um, and But anyway, so the dust is kind of finally settling on the estate and all. And we want to move into that home eventually. But it does need some work and some updates. So I'm trying to figure out the best way to leverage the equity in one or both of the homes in order to long-term be in the best situation to move in the one home and then use the home that we're in now as a rental investment property. So you're going to find that your lending ability potentially is much better against the home you occupy than the home you inherited that needs the work. So as I recall, you said your existing mortgage you took out in 2012 is that right? Yes, uh-huh. And the balance on it versus the value of that home, what would you guess those numbers are? Um, the balance on it is about 150 The value on the home is around 230 Okay, you don't have a lot of borrowing room there with the value of the home versus the outstanding debt. If, you're, if you want to do improvements to the inherited home, you... You don't have a lot of give there in between what you owe and the value of the existing one. How much are the repairs you think you need to do to the inherited residence? So far, what I've gotten proposals on and, and, and feel like that I need to put into that um, home is probably going to be around 40 And then I was planning to borrow probably 50 just to have the leeway. Yeah, because you always have cost overruns. So... 
you were going to be in a position where you're not going to have 20% equity in your existing home anymore if you do that refi, if your numbers pan out, that the home you're in is worth 230 Are there some of the th- improvements you want to do to that uh, inherited home that would be things that would be nice to do but don't have to do right now? I would say probably about half that is kind of half need to do. Um, we're having crawl space issues, and so... I mean, that's 10 right there, easily. Okay. In this case, in this circumstance, with the financial picture you laid out for me, you're best off only doing half-twos on the inherited property. Are you planning to leave it empty, or are you going to rent it till the time that you plan to live in it? We, we don't plan to rent that property. It's probably only going to be maybe maybe a year until we actually make that move. Okay, then, then this is day. easy. You just told me everything I needed to know. So in this case, do a home equity line of credit or a home equity loan for the th- must-to things, things you've got to do. And if you do a loan, it'll be a fixed rate. If you do a line, it'll be a floating rate. But rates are going to stay low for a while. When you move next year or the year after that's when you can do the want to's to that property because then it will become your principal residence and it'll be a lot easier for you to borrow against the value of it to do those improvements so you leave your situation much more um, secure leaving your three and a half percent in place or you could even refi into a new loan at today's lower rates for let's say 170, 175, that'll keep you with sufficient equity in your existing home, and then do the rest of the stuff to that other home, the inherited home, when you actually do move to it. And that would be better for your finances and better overall in terms of keeping you from having too much debt. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.